Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Well, the results are in. Okay. As of this recording, mm-hmm. Kermit is Jewish. Wow. Yep. Kermit's Jewish. <laughs> um, we had 653 votes, and it came down to Kermit is Jewish, 55% yes, 45% said no. Okay. On Instagram stories for a 24-hour poll. What precipitated this poll, may I ask? Um, I was thinking a lot about the Muppets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, great. I was like, I wonder what they're based on. And then I started texting Joel Hadley. Okay. At Brother Elephant. And I was like, hey, who are the Jewish Muppets? Because he just got back from Israel. And he's like, Statler and Waldorf, hands down. And then um, I texted, I DM'd Greer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you think Kermit's Jewish? Because, and then Joel was like, I think Kermit's, or Joel was like, I don't think Kermit's Jewish. And Greer <laughs> was like, I think Kermit's Jewish. And I was like, we need to poll. And he's Jewish. Got it. Yeah. So I thought I would just, you know, Kermit, let the world know. You heard it on Weed and Grub <laughs> yeah. first. Kermit is Jewish. <laughs> Great. So anyway, uh, I don't think my interview at CNN or Fox News went well. This is the kind of hard-hitting journalism I'm bringing to the table. Breaking. <laughs> Breaking. Henson family denies. <laughs> yeah, that'd be it. Kermit is not Jewish. No, he's not circumcised. He did not get a bar mitzvah. Yeah. I mean... You know, yeah, it's a strange time for that kind of story in the news because that dude Santos, who was like, I am, I never said I was Jewish, I said I was Jewish. <laughs> Kermit the Frog here to let you all know I am Jewish. <laughs> that's a good Kermit voice. Thank you. Nice. Wow, that's a really good Kermit impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, or we'll Thank do you. we'll do a Joel uh, what a is Gandalf it clap, a Dumbledore clap, Dumbledore clap, a Dumbledore clap for that. Good job. Thank nice you. Work. <laughs> well, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Good. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy, cannabis, culture, cooking, calling shit out, and cartoon frogs. Oh wait, no, he's not a cartoon, and that was a terrible impersonation. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. And a good design with our very important bud, Jordan Wanamaker. Yeah, covers, 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 covers. Hot food talk, uh, sexy design talk. So much. Cool friends. Very fucking cool friends. Yeah. Um, Can I say one more thing about Kermit before we move on? I want to talk about the Muppets a lot more, if okay. you don't mind. Great. But yes, please go ahead. So the uh, the one thing that did bother me that I'm just going to call out because I can talk about f- things freely on here okay. is the joke of Kermit can't be Jewish, he eats pork, meaning Miss Piggy okay, is now. so hack and tired. Oh, wow. Let's just let that never be said again. I've never heard anything like that. That's crazy. It's crazy. And it's also like such a small subsection of Judaism is being kosher. Like, I don't like the idea of like, Jews don't eat pork. And then therefore Kermit is not Jew. like the whole thing to me was weirdly bothersome. And I got defensive quite quickly. Yeah. Like, yo, I love a BLT more than anything in the world. And I'm Jewish, but well, also you, the implication uh, is that you wouldn't be Jewish if you like went down on someone who was like not. I don't even know what it's really saying. It's just trying to be funny, and I was like, oh, <laughs> do a lot of people think that like if you're Jewish, you don't eat pork? Right? Is that what? 
is that like that's a weird stereotype to me because it's about being kosher it's not about which is a part of judaism but not everyone who is jewish is kosher right. do you know what i'm saying i do know what you're saying yeah and so i thought i would just call that out on here so if you think that all jews are kosher you wrong also your joke is tired also thank you for voting i really <laughs> needed to get to the bottom of that <laughs> <laughs> so much in there do you really have you encountered that sort of like dumb thinking that narrow thinking of like you know well i think like it's an easy joke to make so i have no problem with that love an easy joke sure. love a first thought um but when it continued to happen over and over a part of me was like is everyone coming up with the same joke and i'm living in twitter hell or, or is some kind of weird like ethnic or racial yeah dumb stereotype gross well like i remember going to the moose lodge with my dad growing up which is a um a place he he had to go there for work like he needed to create business like networking is Is that like the elks lodge yeah exactly yeah so he would i I would have to go with him because we couldn't afford a sitter and he would get me a dr pepper and give me five dollars to play pac-man while Uh he hung out and watched sports and played pool and networked and stuff and that part was fine but Doing that in Missouri, I don't care what lodge you're in. There's some racist motherfuckers in that lodge. There's no way around it. So I remember one time, it was one of the last times we ever went there, um, Michael Jackson came on and they started yelling slurs at at the TV and asking everyone to change it because he was black. And we just never went there again. Wow. So like, I think that kind of core memory is burned in my brain. So when I read things about um, Jews and pork, like a part of me flashes back to the Moose Lodge. Being little. Yeah, and being hearing, little. Yeah, and understanding that prejudice for the first time. Yeah, I think so. So um, I, sorry I went from a Twitter, <laughs> from an Instagram <laughs> poll that was quite fun to like, you know, racist memories of my youth, but that's, it is what it is. But that's, you know, what gave birth to so much of the comedy that you do now is, you know, like trying to find intricate and interesting ways to dance around it and make things funny so we can look at the hard shit. Yeah. That's what you do. Try. So. Do. Not try to. Polls about whether or not Kermit Kermit being Jewish, bringing those weirdos out of the woodwork so we can talk about them on here and be like, that's an idiotic thing to do. It's all important. Yeah. Part and parcel. Threading the threads. What do you think about um, uh, Fozzie Bear? Waka, waka, waka. Waka, waka. Jewish, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's from the Catskills, basically. He's he like he Catskills. runs like a Catskill theater club. He's definitely <laughs> also I had a um therapist who I used to refer to as a Muppets character, not about her being Jewish or not Jewish, but did you ever watch Fraggle Rock? Do you know about it was like a yeah, different yeah, yeah, Jim yeah. Henson creation? I'd seen a I've seen enough to follow where you're headed. Yeah, with the Fraggles and the dozers and the whole thing. And there was this creature who lived in the backyard and she was very wise. She was the trash heap. And she would just sort of like come up and she was this amazingly designed character. She had these sort of like cat's eye glasses and she would come up and be full of trash and then she would like say these nuggets of wisdom and then settle back down into her trash heap. And I had this therapist who wore like 18 banana clips at one time and she always had like three purses on and she like would dispense bits of wisdom but she also could never remember my name she called me Marianne oh my god and she would like answer the phone in the middle of our sessions and stuff I had to stop seeing her because I was going crazy but I was like whenever I described her to friends I was like she's like the trash heap from Fraggle Rock and they were like (laughs) oh my god you pay her I was like she's kind of (laughs) wise it's also not great not great not great um love Jim Henson I grew up on the Muppets I have the fondest memories of watching the Muppets with my dad when I was little and him just like chortling so the movies the show 
All of it. All of it. Babies? The the babies? Not so much the babies, but the Muppet show, definitely. And then the movies, for sure. Like seeing those rats skating around on butter pats on the griddle in Manhattan was one of my earliest memories of watching a movie with my dad and him just being like, oh. I was like, this is amazing. And that was my idea of New York for a really long time was the Muppets. Oh, that's magical. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. Like when I moved to New York, I saw it through those eyes. I was like, oh. Like, you know, those cute rats skating around on butter. That's, you know, just down the street. Uh huh. There's one right now. Yeah. They're friends. <laughs> Skittering hey, from pizza dumpster rat, to dumpster. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that actually fits into our news story because it's about New York. Yeah. Uh, the Grubla Gazette this week. And also, our guest is from the East Coast. So it's all part and parcel. But this week's story is about the second cannabis dispensary that is opening up in New York City. And um, we talk about the first one with our guest, Jordan. And so Housing Works, which is a nonprofit, um, got the first retail cannabis license to open up in New York. And the second one, High Times is reporting, will open up um, in a month. And it's called Smacked. Um, Gothamist reports that a new pot dispensary will open up after a local community board voted unanimously last unanimously last Wednesday to endorse the store. Um, regulators in New York have approved 36 licenses total for recreational marijuana dispensaries. So that's not very many for a very populous, very huge state. That's the state, 36 in the state. Yep. The first three dozen licenses were issued under the state's uh, seeding opportunity initiative, which ensures, and this is very cool, that New York's first legal adult use retail dispensaries will be operated by those most impacted by the enforcement of the prohibition of cannabis or nonprofit organizations whose services include support for the formerly incarcerated, which is a really long way of saying it's going back to the people who were most harmed by the war on drugs. Okay, um, so they chose 36 of those. Those were and the first. Houseworks is one of one of two, two of them? Yeah, well, Housing Works was the very first one to open, and that is a store that's located in the East Village, and Housing Works is a nonprofit, um, and they, they provide services to individuals living with HIV and AIDS, and that opened on December 29th, that new retail cannabis store. And the second one, Smacked, will be opening up very soon in the West Village, Greenwich Village. Massive. Also great yeah. location. Great fucking location. And um, I can't wait to visit because yeah. it would be so nice to just like go and buy legal weed from a place that's hopefully the profits, whatever they're able to retain after the taxes and regulations are going back to the people who need the most help. Yeah. Well, we have a deeper conversation about that with Jordan. Yes. In this intro, I will say, based on the fact that they're opening a second one, tells me that New York is trying to do things right, mm-hmm. give licenses to small businesses with their hearts and pocketbooks in the right place. And those places are being supported by people. Yes. In enough and making enough revenue that they can open up more. And hopefully this is like New York is on the right track for doing really great. Hopefully with quadruple, like 36 times four, whatever that is. Well, I think we're all really hopeful that they're doing it right. I think they are taking it slowly and that's great. And that it is just 36 licenses and each of those licenses will go to a different group. So it's not like, oh, if you do a good job in this location with this store, you're going to necessarily get another license to do the same elsewhere. Oh, room for more folks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I think they're trying to be really fair and equitable. And I know our friend Christina Bucola has been involved. Shout out Christina in um, getting some of those places to come online. She's been working on the legal side as an advisor. Uh, David Holland, another wonderful friend of the podcast, has also been a legal advisor for some New York State businesses. And, you know, people are just on the ground doing the fucking hard work right now to make sure that that, uh, you know, legalization is going to benefit people and not just be a disaster like it is in 
some states that we don't need to get into because that's all I shout about on here sometimes. So. And if we live in them, so what? So what if we live in California where everything's a flaming dumpster fire? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Um, I, I, uh, at first I wanted to roll my eyes about the 36 only for an entire state like New York, which sure. is like, you Not know, many. I mean, the like the Muppets live there. Like we need right. way more, right? The Muppets need weed. The Muppets need <laughs> weed. Um, God, I would smoke with all of them. Um, uh, I, but... Long-term big picture, a 36 license sample size, if a bunch of those screw up, okay, then we can take another 36. I think like it, it, it is only 0.00001% mm-hmm. of the whole, but if we're going to start small and grow and see who works out, who doesn't yeah. work out, 36 actually sounds reasonable for long-term I think it's what they felt that they could oversee. And, you know, yeah. it's just like with, you know, all weed, go low and slow and see what happens. And then, you know, learn more from that and, you know, titrate your experience both at the dispensary level and just, you know, ingesting. Damn. Really well said. Thanks. Fuck. Do you want to get to our <laughs> guest on that? I can't follow that. Yes, I do. Yeah. That was our uh, Grubble Gazette. And we get into, you know, a lot of fun stuff with Jordan. So our friend Jordan Wanamaker came into the studio. She's an incredible designer, all around great human, friend of the pod. Um, moving here. Fucking cool hang. Basically moving here. Basically we drop moving, her onto yeah. it. She says, yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and has the best musical taste of uh, basically almost anyone I know. So not to put Joel Hadley aside when it comes to music. I look to Joel and I look to Jordan. Yeah. You know, I hope Joel, by the way, Joel, if you're listening, you're having a good time in, uh, where is he? At Taiwan. The, at this point, yeah, he's somewhere over there. One of three places that all sound amazing. Fuck yes. Yeah. I don't want to dox him because, you know, he's got a lot of lovers out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. We're high. This is our introduction to our up with, our interview with. Yeah. I actually almost <laughs> yelled her name to ask her if she thinks Kermit is Jewish to intro this oh, one. Oh, right. Do you want to do it? She's saying no. Okay. <laughs> I want to, poor Jordan. <laughs> she's over there smoking a joint trying to just hang out and we're screaming at her. Is Kermit Jewish? She's like, guys, I got to rap and eat. Okay. Then without further ado, <laughs> here is our interview with Jordan Wanamaker. Um, it's 420 as we start out smoking and hanging with you, Jordan, on Weed and Grub. I'm so excited. This is like the first time I think that we've ever done like a like a long time symbiotic relationship between a friend of the pod just then like happening to be in LA and being on the pod. It's true. Like, you know how when you're listening to a podcast and you fantasize that you're on it? I have been doing that for years and I'm like, well, when I'm on Weed and Grub, like I like through the pandemic, you guys were like my friends and my earbuds on all my walks and like I have a totally parasocial relationship with you, Mike. Like, <laughs> What is that? Is that bad? What does that mean? No, parasocial. Is that like a parasite? What does that mean? <laughs> no, it's like we, my, I feel like we're best friends. I know you so well. Like I know your family, like we're, we're, we're buds, you know, yeah. but you, it's totally one-sided. Like a parasocial relationship is like one person has a totally different idea of the relationship than the other person. Ah. Like it's like an uneven. Yeah. We don't know each other that well. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> and don't. And you and I knew each other for a very long time, only through the internet. Exactly. But at least that felt more real than... Well, and it, w- it was it was very real because, like, we, we got each other through, like, some, like, shit in life without Crazy. ever having actually connected, like, in the real world. But we were very good friends through, like, an old, old, old-timey Facebook group. And then for, like, the better part of a decade, yeah. 
we've watched each other grow. Yeah, it was 2016, which was hard year for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we both were having like ind separate individual crises. Yeah. And also in this like, yeah, this was back when people were still on Facebook. So yep, life disasters. This but... like your both your relationship together mm -hmm. is to me like the thesis of what Weed and Grub was started for, which oh. is the idea that we can connect with people, like-minded people, because mm -hmm. otherwise, why would you listen unless you just get mad at us? <laughs> and um, and then I remember like more and more texting happening between you two while I was around. I was like, who's that? Oh, it's Jordan. Oh, what's going on with Jordan? Don't worry about it. We're friends. Sharing a recipe <laughs> like, or, you know, talking about some funny meme or sharing a song or whatever true. it was. It's like, fucking ooh. awesome. Like that to me is the, uh, that is how friendships are created today. It's so freaking because I know so many people who are in like successful romantic relationships that were cultivated online, but I don't have any successful friendships that were cultivated online, truly, except for you. And yeah. I feel like so successful in it because <laughs> you, you moved to L.A. for a month and I'm like getting to hang out with you. But we really only met for the first time after several years of knowing each other in real life a year ago. And I to be think. clear, you moved here for a month for Mary Jane. That's right. Yes. No. This was, <laughs> this Things like, moved really quickly online. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we're now in a romantic relationship. Was that, that was last, that is, no, that is insane. That is true. That yeah. was last May. It was last February. Or February. Oh, yeah, I came again in May. That's right. But February was the first time. You came to New York. I came to New York and I hit you up and I was like, uh, I'm going to be there for a few days. Can we have lunch? And we like both got kind of like, I don't know. I felt like we both got dressed up a little bit. We did. It was like, <laughs> yeah. it was a friend date, it was you a know. Friend date. We met for lunch. I cried over my bowl of pasta. We did. We, I, was... I think we both cried. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What <laughs> kind of pasta? Was... I can't believe that was last year. Wait, you had, I'm sorry. Time. I'm sorry. But you had lunch pasta? A cacio e pepe bucatini. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a real bold friendship choice to have like that's a great pasta lunch. I went back to an office after that like wow. <laughs> and we had uh, some kind of delicious like prosecco with oh it was a um, um what is it the artichoke liqueur uh, it's uh yes chinar chinar a chinar yum, spritz yum had one of those and it was also to top it off it was a restaurant where you can get a burrata on any pasta Mm -hmm. You get it's an add-on for a loose burrata. It's a cum just, shot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's a money shot on your pasta. They're just like, here you go, add-on. Yeah, we got that. We had that <laughs> and drinks and cried and yeah, that was last year. But it truly feels like forever because it was. It was during, especially during like lockdown, like the hardcore early parts were so like lonely and isolating. And I was cooking so much, and podcasts are like my cooking thing, you know. So it was like you guys were talking about food, and I would be like, you know. It just made me feel like I was like hanging out with my friends in my kitchen and not like by myself. And then it did. It felt like I was like hanging out with Mary Jane and it did help us get closer because I'd be like, oh, my gosh, she just told this story about this one thing. And I totally have a comment about that or want to ask her about that or I don't know. It's just like it was awesome. And yeah. then I was following you and like your life and career and through social media and your recipes and recipe sharing. And yeah. like it just it really did like burgeon online and then become this real life thing. And it's so cool to like yeah. have that. Weed and Grub was like the incubator for it. Nice. For friendship? Yeah. Weed and Grub is an incubator for friendship. It is. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Time code that. That's a real. Let's go. Episode title. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, well, we have so much to talk to, to talk about because you have, you know, this rich life as an artist and designer that I really want to get into. But first, I need to ask you, you're here in California coming mm -hmm. from New Jersey where you just like 
experienced the transition from yes. the medical to the rec market as a as a stoner, mm-hmm. or I don't know if you would call yourself a stoner. <laughs> you can call me that, yeah. but like as a cannabis <laughs> consumer, yeah. Um, and and now you're in California. Can you just like talk a little bit about I don't know what you're experiencing being in California? If you are enjoying it, if you miss New Jersey, what like what's your what's your uh, jam here? Well, you know. You and I discussed recently, there was a very popular clickbaity New York Times article saying, is New York becoming L.A.? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I do feel like that area was starting to, they got, you know, they legalized cannabis. They have dispensaries now. People are quitting drinking and going to sound baths. And, you know, it is sort of like shifting there a little bit to be a little bit truly, you know, more like L.A. Um, so I felt that pull there. And. I don't know, it's sort of something I need to examine that it made me like it there more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so I, so, and then coming here, it was like, like times 10, you know, and then, you know, I've been doing all the LA things, hiking and sound baths and yoga classes and mm-hmm. buying weed and, you know, all these things. So it's kind of like interesting because it's like a more extreme version of what was sort of starting to make me like it there more, but I was hitting like a burnout point with the New York area. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have like a utopian version of what legalization looks like to you? Yeah, because I feel like- there or like the general big question, which one Um, are you asking? Let's be dreamers. (laughs) Let's let's really imagine what what would be nice. (sighs) You know, I mean, I did think it was good being over there that the legalization happening there has had time to watch what's happened over here and like learn from some of those mistakes. Yeah, so it did mistakes. make me hopeful that we're, we are heading to like maybe a good place where we can grow and learn and then industries can evolve because no thing is the same, you know? I mean, I think a lot of industries have had to like change directions or um, hopefully evolve for the better, not for the worse. I like to right. be an optimist. But. Like one thing that I'm seeing happen in New York as the first retail stores are coming on uh, online is like housing works mm-hmm. and, you know, social equity. What's housing works? Housing works is a um, thrift store. Yeah. like a, oh. And they were one of the, they were the first legal weed store to open yeah. in New York. It's like yeah. this place that I used to go to when I just, you know, had a few bucks and needed like a piece of furniture or something. It's like but they donate to like, it is sort of like a goodwill situation where mm-hmm. like it goes to housing. Like it's like a, a nonprofit. I think that's right. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Don't fact check me. But and they've like put Dashita Dawson. <laughs> Dashita Dawson, who's a cannabis activist, longtime cannabis activist, um, in charge of like overseeing the New York retail market. And um, I don't know. I just feel like they're really paying attention to mm-hmm. so much stuff that is, you know, necessary. The social justice component and the criminal justice reform, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think I hope we'll see, you know, it's like very early to see how the movement is going to happen over there. But um, it's also interesting having a dispensary experience there in Mm -hmm. a place that is so diverse. I mean, like, that's the best part about New York and New Jersey. So it's sort of like walking into a dispensary there. You're like, wow, like there's a rabbi and like a 23 year old NYU student Mm -hmm. and a 70 year old retired guy and a middle-aged mom like all in line together cool and like of from every different country you know so it's sort of like I don't know hopefully the diversity of the clientele there will push the market there and the you know policy and stuff to be in like a good equitable place and they are doing expungements which I think that's also the way like it's really hard to walk by a med men and be like oh great there's an apple store for weed but people are in jail people are in jail like yeah it's I know that's like a point everybody says but well it's a point no one's gotten right either exactly which is why i feel like it keeps getting brought up is because like 
people are still fucking around with it right for some and reason. people are making grand pronouncements like biden coming out and being like i'm doing a federal pardon for weed and then it affects basically nobody and does almost nothing and moves the needle very little apart from being sort of like a grandstanding sort of exactly you know a gesture yeah yeah so we'll see like cool. i would like to see the east coast maybe try to be like we're gonna do this different we're gonna learn but i also the pessimist in me sometimes is like oh they're gonna fuck it all they're up, gonna and fuck it up. <laughs> well, how is the weed it's good. I was telling Mary Jane, you know, it's there's not as much diversity because the licenses, like the whole rule in New Jersey is it has to be like grown and cultivated there, like because they mm. want to keep it all in the state and all of the which again, great. That's every that's, state though. I think that's there's a, no state. That's um, a good way to do lines. it. Yeah. Um, even though some of them are like national corporations, like there's an ascent. And I know that's like a thing in Chicago. Um, They're multi-state organizations. They operate independently in each state. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because so I kind of like get, it kind of gives me that vibe where I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm at a Dunkin' Donuts. Like there's one thing. Is it the best thing? No, but it is a consistent thing that's always here. It's just like a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's not amazing. But when I left, there was like more brands coming online and like having a little bit more of a selection. But it was like you could only start growing it like a couple of years ago whenever they first passed it. So it's just like taking some time to like catch up and have people come online and there's still new licenses all the time. So I'm loving following it and also rooting for the like legacy market brands I knew that are getting licenses where I'm like, yeah, guys, like, you got this. <laughs> Heck That's yeah. awesome. You know, like just it's like validating to be like, OK, good. These people who have been in this business and risked their lives in this business and are like actually going to profit from it. So, so as a, a book designer, you're, uh, you went to the South Carolina college of arts and design. Is that what it's called? Savannah college Savannah. of art and design. Fuck, it's very confusing because I am from Scab. South Carolina. Yes. So. I thought I was going to oh, get it right. It's Savannah not out of College of Arts and Design. Yes, Which I is did. such a fucking cool school. Like you and I were talking about it. It sounds like an incredible place. In a magical town. Have you ever been to Savannah? Uh, I don't even know uh, the first thing about it. Oh, okay. So it's in South Georgia, like on the about an hour and a half from Charleston on the East Coast. Beautiful place. Super creative. Went there, um, studied design there, but also studied writing. Like I was really into reading a lot and like wanted to sort of like be in touch with that. And I couldn't figure out which path I was going to go down. And then I kind of was like, oh, I'll just design books because that's both, you know. That's so fucking <laughs> rad. It's so rad. And you're so, I mean, go check out. We'll put your website in the notes so people can go and like look at your work. Your gorgeous, gorgeous award winning work. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And I'll, well, I just while we're talking about weed, I just wanted to talk about like your eye for design in cannabis and what you see, what you like and what you oh, see. Oh, you should really, design weed. Like I would love for you to have like a, a little silo on your website where Yo. a cannabis brand can be like, can you come and help me with my packaging? I would love that. Because it's really there's so much great work happening out there, but there's mm -hmm. still a lot of a lot room of work to be done. Yeah, get well, good. I'm really into it because um, I mean, book design is packaging design. Like mm -hmm. I'm designing the package, and it's a very similar to cannabis design and how that's done. Like the considerations you're making for materials, or and I'm that's my favorite part about print design and why I haven't really done the whole. People are always like asking me if I can make them a website or if I want to do get, make them a logo and I will do those things, but that's not like, I'm really focused on print because I love like foil and embossing and like soft touch mat. And when I get a nice cannabis product in my hand that has like those little touches, I'm yeah. like, yes, this is it, you know? Yeah. So I would love that. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of similarities in the considerations you make. Like, okay, this has to be open this way. We need to have like, you know, enough give that this is readable and, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the what does kerning. it say? The yeah. kerning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what does it say about the <laughs> thing inside? Graphic design buzzword. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Knuckle crack. <laughs> yeah. What does, what does, I mean, this is just a high thought, but like it's about saying what the thing inside is, like mm-hmm. what your experience of the thing inside is going to be. And I think that so much weed branding, it's so frustrating because it says nothing. Mm-hmm. It's either just like brightly colored and sort of meant to catch your eye because it's, you know, neon pink or something, mm-hmm. or it looks like a teenager threw up on it. Yeah. And it's, you know, and like I love, I love psychedelic, swirly, cool, you know, shout outs to the 70s and 80s artwork. And it, I definitely, you know, like acknowledge that as an important part of weed culture and mm-hmm. art and design. But, you know, when you pick up some, like I remember when, did you ever see the Lord Jones edibles? Oh, yes. Yes. Those that were was- people. Gave me those for Christmas a lot one yeah. year. There was like a <laughs> people still talk about them. They made a national splash because they were so like incredibly high end, heavy, mm-hmm. you know, materials, and like it felt like something that you would buy at Barney's. I think they sold at Sephora. They like, did. It was a you know, yeah. I really like those. I a great example of one that I love is the, a shout out New Jersey brand, Miss Grass. Yes, love Miss Grass. Um, she, you, I think said you had. We know, met when met she was launching before. her whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's based in California now, but was from New Jersey and is a recent brand that's come online there. And her packaging is stunning. The pre-rolls, it's like a soft touch mat with these really cool neon colors. And it's like a nod to psychedelia and an appreciation for that, but in like a contemporary way, which I love. I think that's like the sweet spot for cannabis design. Yeah. Oh, honoring the past and being specific, but like say say can you clean it up for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think the sweet spot for cannabis design is where it honors the past of psychedelia and those elements and the Miss Grass packaging has a very 1970s typeface. It's mm-hmm. got like a kind of groovy thick thin contrast and it's using these really beautiful neon colors, but it's very contemporary in its materials and its approach and it's, you know, paired with more modern elements um so i just think you know it's like respecting the past but also looks like something you're buying in the year 2023 um that's so i'm learning so much just hearing (laughs) your thought process for how design ticks to you yeah um i just know when things look dope to me i've never been able to speak to somebody (laughs) who can really break down what you're doing to my brain. Can you actually go into that? Because I remember when you were talking about, you were designing maybe a show poster or something, and you were saying how much you loved the Golf Wang, Tyler, the creator. Futura, branding. best font. Mm-hmm. Futura is the best font. Great, sharp, pointy edges on the terminals. Yeah. What else did you like about exactly. it? Um, there is a pleasing symmetry to it, even though a G is not symmetric. So like the hoop of the top of the G and the bottom of the G are pleasing, but they're sharp. Okay. And then the, are they terminals? That's what the That's corners the are called? the end, oh, yeah. A nice mm-hmm. wide terminal, yeah. wow. but not so wide that it feels bold. Okay. It's just like the right amount of terminal. And the spacing between the letters um, is is like a half of the size of each letter. So like if the G was this big, the half space between them would be half of the size of a letter. Mm-hmm. And so all of that to me shows like a minimal simplicity but also a, f- a modern way to go about it. And also, it's fucking easy to read at the end of the fucking day. At the end of the day, exactly. It has to still be user-friendly. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it is usability. I had a professor tell me this in college one time. He said that art, like fine art, is like masturbation. And design <laughs> is like sex. Mm. Desi- sex has to work for 
every more than one person. Okay. It has to it's not just about you. You have to make sure that it like works for more than one person. So if it's it has to be usable, it has to be approachable, it has to be something other people can understand. Your art, that can be just for you. Nobody knows about it. Nobody else has to get it. Like you can be free with that. But design has to be more people, user-centered. That um, makes me understand why so much cannabis packaging is like an orgy because then they're like, it's they're like, let's use every font and every color <laughs> and you're all invited. Everybody's here, yeah. But it's also Everybody's like the experience here. of using the cannabis product. Like the pre-rolls I was talking about, it's like really smooth the way it pulls out of the case like it doesn't budge like it it's easy for me to you know grab one and I yeah. showed it to my friend she goes that makes me want to smoke weed again and I'm like it's perfect like you want to be somebody who carries around these cool little you know pearls. so a lot of it's like lifestyle which you can be kind of like cynical about that like mm -hmm. you know it's like selling a, um, a, a lifestyle experience. or an experience right rather than but you know that's, yeah that's all what it is it is it's a tangent, but you give me a new appreciation for perfume and cologne. Oh. Because the shape oh. and size of every bottle is unique and specific. Yeah. And they want that shape to smell like that smell. And it's like, do you use calligraphy? Do you use gold? Do you use silver? Mm -hmm. Like, is it a polo guy? Like, I've never thought of what you do <laughs> on a book cover or like anything that is consumerism. It, it has to like, everything has to be intentional or nothing's intentional. Yeah. That's fucking cool. And I think in our like Instagram culture and generation, everybody's all about an aesthetic. Yeah. You know, and what something looks like and what we're all like aware of that in ourselves, you know, and what you post on Instagram and what you're wearing. And yeah. Did you learn this in college or is this you were born? Yes. Have you always <laughs> had an eye for like color and placement and aesthetics yeah. in general? What'd your desk look like when you were young? Yeah. What's, oh, what's the man. deal? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, you know what my room growing up was? the craziest I was obsessed with magazines actually that was where it started and I would cut them up and buy my own notebooks from the CVS and sort of do my own mock-ups because I'd be like well I only want like these articles so I would sort of make my own magazines wow and then I would like collage every wall I had growing up like my walls were just like crazy but like being hyper aware of like the balance and having you know even spacing between things like thought like that as a kid so which was quirky and weird as a child but did it help you with anxiety <laughs> that sounds calming to it's me it's so soothing yes yeah. design is so soothing to just make things all line up and mm. be in a similar color palette like there's it's supposed to make you feel good you know yeah, you're making me think of like, I don't know what your space is because I've never like visited you at home. I've only met you out in the world. But mm -hmm. I imagine just like knowing the bits of, of I do about your home life, I imagine that your whole space is very sort of calming and not cluttered. And you keep like a really like what my space is like super cluttered. And anyone who walks into it is like, oh, I understand so much about how why you're like this <laughs> sort of like hopefully like a fun but scattered yeah. kind of mess. And I'm always trying like right now I'm in a stage of my life where I'm truly trying to get calmer in my space mm -hmm. and clutter. Is your what is your house? What's your jam? Like your, it helps your creativity yeah. too when you have, and it, it's actually really hard for me because I really love art and displaying art and design and and having like a really decorated office. I'll send you guys some pictures. I yes. did have a, a photo shoot of my last, you know, fully 
spread out studio space. With a um, green velvet couch, right? The green velvet couch. Yes. Yeah, we're right at home here. <laughs> um, I do love the color green. That was a, always a thing, not a weed thing. But mm-hmm. um, so I like the color green because that's really soothing. So that kind of color psychology to me is important in my office. Mm-hmm. But I have like one corner that's really designy and has a ton of posters and art and things that inspire me and lots of books and trinkets and little sort of tchotchkes that are inspiring to me and then on the other side where I sit is completely blank because I can't have like other visual Mm. distractions or else I can't focus on what I'm doing or I if I start to look at something else I start to second guess what I'm doing so I need like just clean around me you know as minimal as possible headphone Mm -hmm. in headphone out music no music it depends oh music your musical taste oh music always music always have music on i basically only have something playing from the second i wake up to the minute i go to bed for real (laughs) i often watch your instagram story just to know if i'm missing out on anything like i found about out about the smile through your instagram that makes me so happy york's new um project was it the one that you were playing the other night um, I don't know what I was playing. No, I was playing Miley Cyrus's Flowers the other night, which oh, I also learned about that from is, your... Yes, true. Yes. I didn't know Thomas York had a new drop. Yeah, he and Johnny Greenwood, the other guy from Radiohead, have a new side project called The Smile. They're amazing. One of my best friends and I just flew all the way to Nashville to see them live. Like, yeah. it was at the Ryman Auditorium, which was like a bucket list music venue for me. Um, but always music... And especially, like, I love certain music to get me in a design flow. Like, I love, like, trip hop or, um, like, instrumental down-tempo kind of stuff. Aren't you a Panic at the Disco head? No, I'm not. String Cheese Incident? I Widespread Panic. (laughs) Widespread Panic, I know. (laughs) I was like, I know it's one of those fucking, it's got a panic and it's a noodle. You know, you were really there, though, in the middle. (laughs) That's the Venn diagram. Panic at the Disco, String Cheese Incident. That is, the Widespread Panic is really the Venn diagram there. (laughs) I'm so sorry that I'm so wrong. Widespread Panic, they're from Athens, Georgia. Growing up in the Southeast, that was like the jam band. So that was the one that we would really rock out to. Oh, and that was such a great Weed and Grub connection moment because you were like, couldn't remember the lyric. And I don't know what it was. And it was like, it sounded like this. And I was like, widespread panic, blah, blah, blah. Like, I knew exactly what song it was. The best. I wasn't about to be helpful, obviously. So thank God for you. And to pull that back into design, I remember the cover of that one because it had this like um, fractal. Like it's that kind of foil that glistens and prisms mm-hmm. all over the place. Oh, it was very cool. Very cool cover. Um, just yeah. foil paper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But your stoner brain was like, it crackles and glistens uh, like a rainbow, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm just gonna look at this for two hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. See, that's a uh, magic eye posters. A yes or a no? Uh, you know, I I kind of approach my domestic design the same way I think that cannabis products should be like. I like a little mix of both. Like I like okay. a, a little bit, but not too far. I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, in a dorm room. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> to put it nicely. You yeah. know? Right. If that's your thing, I don't want to yuck your yum, you know. Right. But your bong Whose collection. thing is that? Yeah. <laughs> Who's like listening I, to this and is like, excuse me, I off. love my college <laughs> dorm room. <laughs> I mean, we have some friends who listen to this room in there's college. There's three of them hanging in my family's home. <laughs> yeah, there's the... <laughs> There's three. One is a ty- Tyrannosaurus. It's a magic stupid. eye poster. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yes. Mm. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> they were talking about them no in that taste. book that I'm reading about Venice tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow after tomorrow or something. The mm-hmm. one I was telling you about. There's a whole element, and they tied it into the book cover design. So of the magic eye. Yeah. 
I've always loved them because they make me feel special. So yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, doing a magic thing when I see the thing. And then other people like, I don't know, what are you looking at me like that for? I'm trying, I, I want to make a joke, but it makes fun of you. And so I'm trying to decide if it's worth making fun of I can take a shot. Go ahead. Uh, I was picturing you staring at the magic eye with your eyes crossed going like, and then like being like, I can see it. Yeah. that, And I can. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's awesome. I challenge you to a magic eye throw down anytime. I'll see that shit so fast and I'll be like, I, and then I'll say what it is and I'll be faster than you every time. Yeah, it'll ruin it because I do have struggle with them. That's yeah, so there fun. you go. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> I do struggle with them. Oh, man. Oh. Can I ask you like some, it's intricate questions, but I don't really have a clear question, but hopefully okay. you can get there. It's, yeah. Um. So on New Year's Eve, we went to this thing called Dance Yourself Clean, mm -hmm. took Molly and LSD, mm -hmm. and listening to the DJ set, it started at 10, went till 2. And from 10 to 11.45, it was building, it was growing, people were showing up, more people were hitting the dance floor. By midnight with the countdown, they had led up to it with this huge moment where my brain was just fucking pink electricity. And then for the next hour, we just danced our fucking faces off. And then the last hour, it all tailed down. And I was like, fuck, if I was this band, Dance Yourself Clean, my whole pitch deck would just be a brain scan of everyone in the audience on <laughs> fucking drugs. And this is what we're going to do to each and every one of those people so that they have the most ultimate time possible. Because at the end of the day, music is science and math. So... My question is like, <laughs> I knew, I see, that's what I said, man. I'm high. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, yeah. So my thing is like with design. We can go to like, an ad if we need to. No, <laughs> damn it. Now I'm getting the shots and I can't handle them. <laughs> Mary Jane is stronger than me. Um, <laughs> so like with design, are you thinking about like that brain scan? Like what you want to do to me? And is it math plus creativity? Like how are you tricking me? Mm, wow. Well, it depends on what I'm designing, but usually with book designs, I'm trying to trick you into thinking that this book either is going to make you feel a certain way or reminds you of another book that you liked. Are you Have cool. you ever done a book design that was really good for a really bad book and you were like, I'm proud of my design, All the time. but it houses something <laughs> that I'm going to feel guilty that people actually picked up because my design was so good? Well, or not guilty. I'm not going to put guilty. that on you. Yeah, no. But we, like my better, design. Better Catholic, there's my enough shame. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to put that on you. But like my design will make people buy this thing that I don't believe in. Don't necessarily believe in? Well, I got really lucky in that the beginning of my career, I worked for Columbia University Press and I, I worked for a lot of like university presses and that's mm -hmm. still like a sort of my my niche right. in the world. Um, and what I liked about that is it didn't make me ever have to question that because everything was so important and it was like great scholarship that I was really proud was somebody was writing and was getting a home and being permanently in the world forever. It's not airport books. No, like these are like, <laughs> and a lot of it was like, you know, really important stuff about climate change or, you know, gender studies or things that I really care about. So I never felt compromised, but then once I started working in trade publishing, which is more, you know, whatever, there's definitely been not that the book itself I didn't think deserved a good design because, you know, I still think like writing a book is really freaking hard. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for people that do it or and make that happen. But, you know, I would afterwards maybe learn about the person and be like, uh, uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's all collaborative. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just the interesting thing when you're working in, you know, any field, truly, there's always going to be someone who's working on the project that you might not necessarily have any interaction yeah. with or mm-hmm. say in or control over. And you're like, they're just a collaborator and we're all working on it. And- not to be specific, Ooh. but I did do a lot of work um, for a politician who is now a mayor of a major city. Okay. And... I had vision boarded that year that I wanted to do a book cover for a major political figure. Mm-hmm. Like my dream would be like an Elizabeth Warren cover, you know, like get to go to to do something like that. And this Katie was, Porter, are you listening? Yes, Katie Porter, <laughs> write a book. My name is W A N N, you know. Keep going, uh, keep going. E M A C H E R. Um find me freelance. Uh yes. but you know, it's like something like that would have been so cool and this ended up being a guy who's like not great mm-hmm. and not doing a very good job. And I don't actually think is from the city that he is mayor of. And yeah, I'm just, that made me feel bad because I put a lot of work into it. And the book is also disingenuous. It's like about some mm-hmm. things that I think he's not. You sure you don't want to name him? <laughs> <laughs> Let's put him on blast. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> yeah. Do you have I to read the whole book to do the cover? How do you get a gauge on what, the tone is uh for fiction absolutely and you also don't want to be stupid and you know be like oh i put in a strawberry because this is an important symbolism and they're like uh it's only in the first 20 pages and it never comes up again what are you talking about yeah. like you really need to know what it, the whole thing is um non-fiction no i just kind of like research the topic or it's more like educating yourself on what the book is about rather than reading the book, especially sometimes nonfiction is targeted to a specific person. So it's like, I'm not a social worker. So reading the social work book is not going to do anything for me, but I can make this approachable and something that looks nice and that you don't feel embarrassed to buy or read because you have to, you know, no red on the cover of that book. You know what I've heard three times in the last week from different people is they were like, why do Asian books all have red on them. Why are all the Asian books red? Like, it's so racist. And I'm like, you're right. And I have a, f- a friend who told me that he organized his books, the spines by color, to see if there was like, you know, commonalities between certain colors in mm. the genres. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, sorry to break it to you, but sometimes I just put a random color. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. And he was like, yeah, but all of the like Asian books that I have or books by Asian authors are red. I'm like, Oh, just because it like might be China or Japan, like. Or right. do you think that might be tied to the sort of like luck and good fortune aspect of the color red, like the? But it's also like a lot of them have you know the same cal- calligraphy font or whatever. Sure. It's like modernism has been in Asia too. You right. know, we can have that on there. But it just found it was interesting that people with no weren't book designers, you know, were just readers mm-hmm. noticed like, why are you always? It's kind of weird. Huh. I don't do that. Very but, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That makes me think of every movie where like the Asian character has a streak of color in their hair and a short haircut. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess that's yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. And they're a hacker. And they're a hacker. <laughs> and they barely get it done in time. Right. Always. Always. Let's stop yeah. that. <laughs> get it done faster. Less stress. Yeah. I have so many more questions, but I'm hogging it, Mary Jane. You're not hogging it at all. I was gonna hop around over to food, but what are you Ooh. what are you thinking of? Oh, can we do a couple on? more uh book design yeah, questions? Absolutely. Okay. What's but your favorite you font? Uh, my favorite serif font is Garamond because it is also the most environmentally friendly font. It uses a uh, system font because it uses the least amount of ink mm-hmm. because it's got like a lot of thick thin. So because ink is, you know, not that great for the environment sometimes. Uh, and printing is not that great for the environment. So right. we want to like use. Um, 
And I really like it kind of shift around, but I really love Gotham because it was the Obama font. And that was like a big graphic design moment for me where I was like, wow, this is how graphic design can make you feel something. Is like, hope in Gotham. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. I think that was like the first major licensing they did of that typeface. So I just love what that stands for. And I use it constantly because it's really durable and it holds up small really well. So if I have to like put a tiny little, you know, design credit on something, but I still want it to be readable. It's a good one. I feel like we're in our, I, like a master class. <laughs> We are. Truly. I feel We're like I'm being too inside baseball class. here. We're but oh, sorry. If anyone class. listens to us and smokes weed, they're going to be like, yep, they're going <laughs> right. through pages, looking at all the they're fonts. fonts. Garamond and Gotham. Fuck yes. You know yeah. They both have good Gs, back to your earlier point. Do you have a favorite um, cover that you've designed that you want to shout out? Um, I think my favorite was this book cover that was my first big award too. So it has that kind of, you know, to preface it, but I designed a cover. It was a social work book about interracial couples, which was really hard to touch because you don't want to put something that's stereotypical or too, you know, like hokey on the cover. And you can really step in some landmines in terms of problematic imagery with those kinds of topics. So you have to be so sensitive and so often it's to not put people because you're just like, I don't want to touch that. So and the book was about different kinds of interracial couples, like not just black and white couples. So but I was trying to think of a way to do it. And I went through, I think, like 76 comps or something insane. It was like a crazy I had a pile of all of the different designs I had done on the table. And the last one I came up with, which was kind of like ugh, whatever, like I'm just throwing something out there was a black and white cookie. Because I remembered I was like up late one night thinking about it, watching Seinfeld, and they have a whole episode about the black and white cookie. <laughs> they do. It's a great episode. Famous New York cookie. Yeah. And I was like, and I showed it to my art director, like kind of laughing. And she was like, you know what? Let's see. Like, let's just see what happens. And it got approved and it made it through and it won the AIGA 50 Books 50 Covers Award. It was like one of the 50 best book covers <laughs> that right. year. And it was just like so many people would talk to me about it. Now it's become such a good like conversation piece. They're like, is that because of Seinfeld? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. a good transition Very into cool. food. Yeah. yeah let's, a black I mean, and white cookie. That Come is, on. We are in the flow. I was scrolling back through our DMs and our texts and Infansive today. And I was just sort of like enjoying our like online conversation uh -huh. and all of its forms. And I fully believe that about 60% of our chatter is about food. It, yeah. Recipes. What we just ate. I just ate this thing and thought about you. And I just thought that you needed to know that I just ate this thing and thought of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's really fun. Yeah. Well, you're somebody who appreciates good food, and I love to talk about food. Like, I just really, it's like, it's such a, you know, comfort for me and something I enjoy so much. And and you're such a cook. Yeah, I love to cook. You really, really do, am. like, spend time in your kitchen. Yeah. I have a, my, you know, my grandma's from Oklahoma, and growing up in the Southeast, and so, like cooking was such a thing you know there was like lots of like family recipes and my grandma and my mom are both like excellent cooks so I was taught to cook properly by them um, my grandma used to work at a kitchen store that had cooking lessons in the basement and so she would be like I would get extra money to like sit in the class and help her you know pass things out or whatever but would like watch these cooking classes so you know, it's just I took cooking classes as a little kid with my mom. Really? Yeah, she oh. took me the the grocery store that we had. It's called Deerberg's. I think it was the one. And at that time, they had a 
classroom attached to the grocery store so that they could get families to come in and like learn how to cook together oh. using the produce and everything that was about to go bad in the store and then you would come in and learn recipes through that that's so fucking cool so wholesome i love very that very sweet both of you <laughs> <laughs> lovely yeah. i know yeah I, I so and then of course like living in new york like you're a lazy foodie you you don't ha you know it's just like everything is amazing everywhere you go is unique and different and you pass a million restaurants in a day that you wouldn't see anywhere else you know so yeah. that just made me appreciate it so much more and like the diversity of things um because i didn't have indian food until i moved to new york like that was <laughs> you know like there wasn't a lot of diversity of that growing up but um yeah it's just made me appreciate it and i just love a good meal man What's, how are you experiencing, because you're living in Venice right now, uh -huh. right? So are you just sort of like smoking oh, and snacking and walking around? Or what are you doing? <laughs> last, night, last night was corner. a creamed corner. Creamed corner. Last night was a moment. Okay, let's hear it. I had my first Teddy's Red Tacos. Okay. Uh, I had not had a birria taco before. Yo. Um. <laughs> wow. It was like a... I'm sorry, maybe this is reductive, but like a Mexican French dip to me. Like, that's what it felt like. I don't think that's reductive at all. I think yeah. anyone who doesn't know Teddy's or a, a French dip. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's so, yes. It's a beef sandwich with like a, a, a broth, you know? It was so incredible because I feel like Mexican food is good in New York, but I feel like that's something that I'm really digging into in LA because- Best in the country. Yeah, you know, and the cheap, like, just, like, street vendor places. It's, like, way better than any taco you're going to get in New York. Mm -hmm. um, but the Teddy's Red Tacos, I got the deluxe platter, and it was – I'm going to mess this up. But there was a quesadilla, which was more like a just kind of a crispy taco. There was a, a regular taco. There was a – Okay, there's two kinds that I didn't know the names of. One where it's a crisp, oh, a tostada, mm -hmm. and then a mita. I don't I know. Think, I don't know. I can't. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm totally butchering that. But it was like a sandwich, and all of it was just different deliveries of beef, cheese, onion, cilantro, Oof. like just different shapes and sizes with a big broth. Oof. And it was like <laughs> 15 bucks. Vampico. No, vampiro? no, it started with an M. Nope. Yeah. Definitely was an M. I don't, I had never heard it's of it. It's a before. play on a torta. It was like a torta. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't remember them specifically because I ate it so fast. It was so <laughs> good. Like I had like a nice chill beach day, oh, you so know, nice. finally had a break from the rain and then just scarfed down like a five o'clock taco platter and then passed out at like 730. It was. Oh. <laughs> Were you a dunker? So were you a drizzler? Did oh, you I was drink dunking. it? You were dunking. I was dunking. And then they give you little tortilla chips too. So you can kind of like eat up the rest of the broth if you mm -hmm. want. I wish they would take that broth and put it with ramen noodles and birria Ooh. on top. Like I would love a birria ramen. Ooh, that, that sounds amazing. It would be so good. Pop up time. If, <laughs> if anybody were to do that, it would be California. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's been really good. Pop up they alert. Do. <gasps> they do, according they to producer that? Mark. We'll find out where it is. We'll we eat it. We'll bring, you a, we'll bring it back to you. We the need the theme of this year so far is I come up with an invention that already exists <laughs> and I get very excited <laughs> and Mark says, actually. It's actually <laughs> a party thing, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, there's like We've some, had a few of those. Yeah, no. <laughs> So foods, yeah, the food over there is good. I've had, um, I also just really love how healthy it is, like easy it is to eat healthy here, that like there's a lot of veggie forward stuff. And I'm yeah. very much an omnivore, you know, I yeah. eat meat. I don't really have any crazy dietary things, but I've 
really love good vegetables, yeah. like done well. You, you know? and I had that crazy de- delicious sweet potato curry at <sighs> Night Market. Um, we have to talk about that meal. That was so good. Masamun curry. Um, delicious party wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't been to Night Market and you live in LA, just they have now three locations, mm-hmm. and it's like, and we so had the delicious. what was the the lettuce wrap salad, the larb, larb. the larb mm-hmm. that was really good, super limey. Oh my god, and a shrimp fried rice. Yes, so absolutely some, delicious. Some sort of Spanish red wine. I had a that chilled, was chilled Cabernet Franc. Yeah. It was delightful. God damn you too. I feel really like good. you're like <laughs> best friends from both coasts coming together, and I'm like witnessing a romantic comedy here. <laughs> I mean, of like it really the two is people. Like, what are we going to eat? Come together. Yeah, it's like so great. I know. <laughs> what did you have for lunch? I don't know. What are you going to have for dinner? And, yeah, I love the, like... <laughs> and Mary Jane also had killer snack game. We went on an amazing hike in Malibu. She took me on my first California hike and Archie got to hang out with him for the first time. And, and I'd forgotten the weed and Jordan was like, I've got it. And I was yeah. like, well, that's why this is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but she had amazing snacks, like very California, like a Olipop, those you know kombucha soda yeah, thing. Yeah. or not it's a something like that um, i found that salad in a bag which is basically just like vegetable bag. chips but it's like the salad you eat with your hands which is a total gimmick that but. was the catchphrase and it was just freeze-dried <laughs> kale like, yeah <laughs> i was like oh okay a word uh-huh. great 26 dollars yeah <laughs> i'll get two it was two for seven at whole foods it was on sale um yeah that was yeah, fun though. oh was. and we did the uh and i'm not sure still i want to look into exactly what blue magic is but have you had blue magic is that the Air One smoothie? Well, I got the mm-hmm. Urban Remedy version at Whole Foods, which was like a cashew milk sort of smoothie situation, and it's blue. Yeah. And it's a spirulina extract that, you know, then allows them to charge yeah. $1 million. How is it? Fucking amazing. amazing. Fuck yes. It was like a healthy milkshake. It was so good. It was great. Yeah. And we got all the way to the top. Um, I was huffing and puffing because, man, I have not been hiking, and that was a pretty Good one. It kicked yeah. my ass. Oh, my legs were sore for days after that. <laughs> Archie was delighted and also exhausted. And we got to the top and had a 360 degree view of Malibu and, you know, smoked a little and yeah. Had some snacks. It was great. So really nice. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's lovely. The food yep. situation here. Hiking, being outside here with friends, I really like, I don't know that I've ever lived anywhere um, else where I've done that much of like hiking with that like that's the meetup right mm-hmm. it's like the walk or the hike or the outdoor hang yeah it's and really nice New York's very like happy hour happy hour happy hour it's just like a lot of drinking and like look I love a glass of Sancerre like the next gal but drinking is not something I can do every day like it's not not socially not everything no like yeah. it's just it's too much it makes me feel like crap after too long like I don't I, I need to break it up and so I would catch myself like not seeing people Cause I'm like, well, I just don't want to drink, but you wouldn't have anything else to do. So it is really refreshing that there's so many like other ways to hang out with people here that aren't that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously having a large recreational cannabis. Um, yeah. What do you market. think about that as a packaging design situation? Something that shows like go outside with friends and exercise while <laughs> yeah. high. Yeah, truly. They, they, Instead they of a dark like, bar. Yeah. Being sad. Yeah. I mean, I think the one of the um, not an ad, but phases by Golden State did such a great job with branding and packaging because it's a package of pre-rolls that are five different types of weed that are sort of designed for an active day from like morning to night on the go. 
and the sort of like the designing of it is like it's a cool looking tin that you want to put in your bag and then there's sort of like a different um, strain for each experience of like you know get up and go mm. you know mellow out for lunch afternoon meditation evening unwind that kind of thing I love that and I, I wish there were more of that kind of thing and I would like to see you design it oh well I know it, it is something that's also becoming way more of a thing now too that there's whole companies and departments dedicated to mm -hmm. that as a packaging and branding and marketing and stuff like that so if anybody's listening yeah. who wants to give me a cannabis packaging design project, I would absolutely love that. Putting that out there in the world, too. Putting it in the air. It's, it's nice to mix it up sometimes, too. And sometimes I'm also weary of trying the trap of combining all my interests with my income. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm trying. So part of me is just like, eh, maybe. Do you want to do that? But um you know, it's been hard with books a little bit, too, sometimes, like when I've been in bad places with my career where I've been, you know, in a slump or not liking my job or having a bad client or something like that, I would have a hard time reading or looking at books, you know, like I would be I couldn't go into a bookstore and browse because it would be too triggering for me to use a, you know, bad sure. word for it. But I, I would just be like, oh, I can't like it just makes me think about it too much. So. And it's also when you start to think about these things, like after we've had this conversation today, you'll start to notice things more and you start to pay attention to things more. And sometimes that can hurt your enjoyment of things because you're not just able to take it in as it is. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, how'd they get to afford that? Oh, that person got to design that cover. Damn, I wish I could have done that. And like comparison anxiety and all those things that come up with it when yeah. I'm like, I just want to enjoy this freaking bookstore. Like, yep. I just want to watch some comedy. Or yeah, just right. To, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, what'd you... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the closer you get to it and the more you know about it. Like, Wait, you do you have, have rivals? Really careful, though. Do you have nemeses? Oh, yeah. Are there nemeses? Design nemeses? Yeah. Mm, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I definitely have had work nemeses. Um, publishing sometimes is hard because there's a big generational divide in the technology Mm -hmm. so I would sometimes make enemies at work as the uh the tech savvy one because I would be like oh god these like this lady can't figure out how to use word or whatever um yeah so are I those also your bosses at times yeah when someone's making like three times what you make to ask you to make a pdf <laughs> like, oh. yeah I've been lucky okay. that I've had really good bosses who have been smart but you know and been really like taught me a lot um so I can't complete but I've seen those types where you're like oh this person doesn't know how to do this um design nemesis not really not in the book design community I feel like it's really supportive and everybody's really nice it's like so small you can't have a nemesis um <laughs> the only kind of nemesis I have is like my own problem where I just have so much jealousy for a person where I'm like god damn it he's so talented like fuck that guy for being so fucking smart you know like yeah. I almost have like just, I don't know, like when someone makes something that's so creative and so amazing and you're just uh, like, why doesn't my brain work that way? Just totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much street art and so many sneakers to me. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, fuck you sat guy. there with all those materials and figured that out. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Fuck like you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to buy it, but like, yeah. 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 <laughs> At any level, you feel like you could do it and then you try a little bit and you're like, I cannot. Yeah. yeah. But Truly. no, I mean, you yeah. know, I've, I have been really lucky. Like I've heard of people in advertising, like some more sort of like competitive, tough markets where it's been hard. But for the most part, it's such a small community. And they're like my people, you know, like that's my favorite part about book design is that book people are my people. So you're working with really smart, cool, creative people. It's pretty easy to get along with them. So 
love that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I can't see the nice people. clock. We're, it's, it's about time to wrap up. It is? Yeah. Hmm. You have a lasty? Yeah. Any more okay. food questions? Yeah. yeah actually, yeah, was, why had one book, one food. food? Okay. Okay. Wrap up with food, then one more book. Yeah. Um. Wait, what? I had two questions, one in one in design and one in food. Okay. We can do both, yes. And, and if we can do both. Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the book world and in the design world, like, is there, is because like, I I like John Grisham a lot. Mm-hmm. I like Janet Ivanovich. That's my brother's favorite mm-hmm. author. The one who's like one for murder, two for sin or whatever her books are. Yeah. And then like, there's a style and a branding to those books. It's a fucking car in the rain with a shadowy figure under a tree. And that is a John Grisham book to me. Um, when you're creating these designs, are you trying to create them for a legacy and then you get to like ride with that person you know as they create more books are there those sweet spots where it's like i'm beyonce's ghostwriter for the rest of my life or whatever that's it is the dream honestly if you yeah. can get those i mean a lot of those people this is sort of the behind the scenes is that a lot of some of those people like um james patterson have their own internal departments where like all those people do is just work on those books like that's their thing you know um but yeah, that's the dream because then you – especially because they'll keep coming back to you. So you get paid for each book. So you have like an automatic contract. So this author's success is your success. But the dream dream is if you get that film adaptation and they use your art. So that's always the hope because that's like way more money than you make in publishing. And you see your art on billboards and stuff. So like when a film adaptation, they use the book art, that's like the real deal. Yes. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah. I also imagine that a lot of those people also write books with the goal of that adaptation because it's like, I'm reading one right now that has to do with Hurricane Katrina that Mm -hmm. came out the year after Hurricane Katrina. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely someone who wants to sell the rights to this book to make a Hurricane Katrina Totally. Where the Crawdads Sing was made to be, we've talked about this recently, that was like just, you know, obviously written to become a screenplay. And then, you know. Yeah, I know some uh, people who are screenwriters who write novels because that's an easier way sometimes to get your pilot picked up than it is to, Mm -hmm. you know, fucking go that way. Yeah, because it's like if it's a good novel and Reese Witherspoon reads it, you're you're done. Little fires everywhere. Yeah. Oh, is that a Reese? Yeah, that was a a book. Her book club. She has her own book club. Yeah. So she, if she reads the book and likes it, then she like sells it through her production company, which brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Come on the pod and talk to us about a Reese anytime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Will yeah. you come back with Reese? Yeah, yeah, I'll bring her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're in, both in publishing, you know. Yeah, we all yeah. know each other. We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> you have a food, food question? Yeah. Um, you say that you would listen to us and do a bunch of cooking uh-huh. and things. Um, like, what are you cooking? What's your favorite thing to cook? Where do you get your hands dirty? Uh, well, like the good... Jersey girl I've been I love cooking pasta that's like my favorite thing yes one it's so versatile you can literally make it like a kitchen sink pasta like I have these three vegetables that are about to rot with some garlic some red pepper some olive oil you keep key ingredients on you know a little a good parmesan Mm -hmm. are you a grater do you of course are you a grater as opposed to what (laughs) as opposed to what who is this guy who buys the grated parm are you only monsters i just got transported to a kitchen in new jersey (laughs) oh my god what are you talking about what are you talking about (laughs) that's like a cardinal sin in new jersey to buy a grated parm like they they take their italian food really seriously and i learned to make really good italian food there so that's like my thing I like to do a lot of that. I like to make a lot of 
healthy versions of comfort foods. Like I grew up in the South. So a lot of the food that I grew up with is not things you can eat every day and things that quite frankly make me feel sick if I eat them now. Like it's just too much. Um, but I'm really interested in like how to still maintain those comforts and make like a really healthy chicken fried steak and make like a, um, I like to make that with a cauliflower gravy mm-hmm. instead of break a, that down. How does that work? Um, so you basically, you just cook cauliflower instead of flour with like a tiny bit of bacon grease and like a lot of black pepper, white pepper, um, and you just kind of like cook that down and use an immersion blender and it becomes like a gravy and you're Yum. getting a secret vegetable in there. And, you know, it's just like feels a little lighter. And I'll, instead of using flour, I'll use like almond flour or something and like cook it with avocado oil, you know, just to like try to clean it up, but still get like my yummy chicken fried steak and gravy. That's an awesome recipe. Yeah. And I would o- like to try Okra this. fries on the side. I like to make like uh, air fryer okra fries. I have an air fryer and I am on a kick right now and I've never had okra. Oh, being all nice. (gasps) You've never had okra? I've never had okra. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okra, I mean, it says as a child, if you asked me my favorite vegetable, I would say fried okra. I did not know that that was not really, uh, (laughs) didn't really count, but that was like, I could have eaten that with every meal. It's one of my favorite Southern comfort foods. So I like make that. So. That was usually I do a little baking here and there, but it's got to be foolproof. Like yep. that's not as much what I'm invested in, and I'm really into researching, and I'm really into the like gadgetness of of cooking. Not necessarily like air fryers and stuff, which I do like, but like what's the best pan or like getting like a good knife and like those kinds of things too. So my family got Mary Jane and I both the same gift for Christmas, like sent some gifts and we both got a, a double spatula and it's attached here with a spatula here and spatula here so that you can pick things up it's a and tongs, turn them. Really, like a spatula it's a wide tongs. tong. It's a yeah. wide, yeah, it's a wide flat tong. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's great. But it gives you like a little extra Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a full, you know, that spatch action. It's real nice. That's such a good Christmas gift. It was a great Christmas gift. I Stocking used it last stuffer. night to make a uh, shrimp stew. It was wonderful. Ooh. Yeah, lemony shrimp stew. Lemony shrimp stew. Mm-hmm. What, like, what was the base? Was it? Um, it would have been leek, but fuck Whole Foods because they don't carry anything I need anymore. So I had to <laughs> do it with an onion. And then we threw in some garlic and shallot and um, cannellini beans, good olive oil, and then the rub on the shrimp was like paprika, lemon zest, salt, pep. And then you sauteed the shrimp in butter, pulled them out, put everything else in, melted it down with some chicken broth and served it with some like Parmesan toasts and a bunch of a bunch of lemon juice and parsley. I love a Parmesan toast. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. It was delicious. And then I ate a Kiva Lost Farms edible and um, had very strange dreams all night. Oh, I like those. I had the, I just had the, they have like a special collaboration with a sneaker brand yeah, or Huff. something. Yes. Um, the, it's the, what is it? The gassy one. Uh, I don't know what they came out with. For, Jupiter? For, the, for that collaboration. No, what's the, what's the Jupiter's really. the gassy planet, yeah. No, what's the really gassy, like gasoline-y. Strain? Sour diesel? Sour diesel. It's. A sour diesel lo- Kiva Lost Farm gummy, nice. or a little chew. It was really good. Try it. Yeah, it's like a grape flavor. I enjoyed mm. that. All right, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's time to wrap. But um... no, I want a three-hour Joe Rogan esque. <laughs> You're not leaving. Lock the gates. We have places to go, <laughs> snacks to eat, things to do. We have more red tacos to eat. Yes. <laughs> um, so can you tell everyone where to find you, please? I am 
on Instagram at Wanamaker, W-A-N-N-E-M-A-C-H-A-A. Which is a play on your last name. Play on my last name, Wanamaker. Looks like Wanamacher, but it's pronounced Wanamaker. It's actually pronounced Vonamacher, but we're not (laughs) – we have a low bar here. It's um, <laughs> a super low bar to get your name right. That feels reasonable. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, I, that's really it. That's like my only. And your website is jordanwanamaker.com. Jordanwanamaker.com. But I am I am very active on Instagram. I post a lot of book design work there. I also Great. just finished doing music racks. Always, I do a lot. I post a lot about music. I go to a lot of concerts, but I also just finished going through my whole record collection in alphabetical order, and that's in my highlights. Awesome. Um, you have crates of vinyl. I do. That's I have a so lot of cool. a lot of records. Um, my TikTok is a burner, so can't follow me there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, and you're gonna move here? We're we're testing it out. Yeah. yeah. This is we're doing the dance. We're in beta right now. Listen, yeah. Jordan and I are gonna have dinner with Natalie tomorrow night, and that's part of the siren call. Everyone in LA Best is of luck to you. Yeah, it's everyone a siren here, song. You all act like you're in the chamber of commerce. It's like a cult. Everyone's <laughs> like, Are you ready? Are you coming? Like Come. I, Every time I go to lunch or dinner with someone, they're like, here's a deck. Like, Yeah. <laughs> That's what, I mean, truly, yeah. I'm just excited for us to hang out with Natalie because Very she's but she, like that experience of like hanging out with someone who can show you the best of L.A. Like I'm not that person because I'm still learning about it. Yeah. Natalie was the person for me who did the Chamber oh. of Commerce thing where she was like, look at all of this. Isn't it nice? This could be you. <laughs> Come over here. And now I'm, you know. It's a cool. I'm happy to join, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, feeling... so you're gonna move here. Yeah, yes, we'll we got see. we got her. Yeah, it's it. It's announced on <laughs> timestamp. We didn't grow up exclusive. <laughs> got her. <laughs> got her. Nabbed her. Um, can you return that Tupperware to Natalie for me? No, you have to get it back to her oh. yourself. Oh, oh. do I get a butt of the week? Yes. Do you want to do? A can butt I give of the a butt of the week? Absolutely. Let's do butt of the week. Okay, I was thinking about it earlier whenever you guys were asking about New Jersey, and I just saw this last night on Instagram, so I want to shout it out. Um, at Brown Box, it's B-R-W-N-B-O-X is their main page. They're a uh, women of color owned cannabis company in New Jersey. They have been, you know, doing amazing infused um, cannabis events like they would do catering and stuff like that. Uh, the Farah and Almaz are amazing. They have been doing so much for the community in New Jersey. They just opened Brown Box Events, which is this beautiful event space where they're having like wellness things. Um, they're in Orange, New Jersey, and it's just like they do so much and give back to their community and are just such a badass like women-owned cannabis community in New Jersey. So they have like a bunch of different side brands but brown box at b-r-w-n-b-o-x is their main page so fucking awesome follow really cool yeah dope nice uh my butt of the week this week is not mary jane because i'd love that tupperware (laughs) return if possible (laughs) she made me an olive oil cake and it was so good and mary jane brought it all the way to my place natalie made Uh olive oil cake mary jane brought it all the way to my place and now you want me to return the tupperware hell no (laughs) you get that back to her yourself my butt of the week this week is I Hate Eric Wilson. It's our bud, Eric Wilson, uh, formerly of the Tender Friends podcast. Um, as of when this drops, I will have hung out with you all afternoon watching the WWE Royal Rumble at your place. So not only are you my butt of the week, because I know we're going to have eaten chicken tenders together, smoked a ton of weed, and also thanks for inviting me over for Royal Rumble. Also, I hope that you get your staff job this year, because your Billy Joel script is incredible, and you deserve to be a staff writer. And if they don't fucking hire you, they're fucking idiots. So follow him at I hate Eric Wilson. Yes, he's the fucking best, Eric. Uh, my butt of the week is Evan, and I always want to say it the wrong way, so I hope this is the right way. Nison, it's N I S 
O-N. Um, Evan is the founder and CEO of his own um, PR company, and he's the vice chair of Normal in Jersey. And I met him in probably like 2013 when I think he was about 21 years old, and he was doing like cool fucking policy work and reform work. And now he's just heading up a bunch of amazing reform efforts. And he's also running like one of the truly one of the PR companies that I look to when I'm like, who is who's representing the good guys? <laughs> like, I don't know if he would want me to say that, but he is just like setting a standard, I think, in public relations and policy reform for um, cannabis at a federal level. But right now he's working out of Jersey. So yes, he's my butt of the Jersey. week. And you can follow him. Um, I'll give his, not his personal, because maybe you can't follow that. But his um, PR company is N-I-S-O-N-C-O-P-R, Nice and Co. PR. And if I said the name wrong, then, you know, fuck me, because I hate when I do that. So <laughs> It's pronounced Vunemaker. I do. I'm, <laughs> Vanemacher. I do want to say I was watching a show that we were the other night we were watching a cooking show and there was a dish called jaggery crusted and then and the next words and I didn't know what jaggery was and so as my brain was reading it I was like what is a jaggery crusted bison and Mike was like bison (laughs) and I was like my brain just doesn't know what these words are and he's like it's bison (laughs) It's just, it's not Bison. Bison. So I'm sorry if I'm saying Pointing at the menu. Yes, could I have, I'd like to be the Bison medallions. These people from Montreal are so pretentious. Oh my God. She's such a, um, I think that's it. Is that it for us? hundred percent. Thank you for hanging. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a weed and drug. Weed and dream? Weed and drugs. Weed and drugs. Weed and grub dream come true. This was so fun. And it's, uh, yeah, we can all only hope to sit with our favorite podcast. And hang out more all the time. Please come back. And also, I'm putting it out into the air at the end of this app that we get to collaborate professionally in some design, you know, be it comedy or print or some weed and grub cookbook capacity. Maybe. Is that a thing? We'll do it. Put it out there. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Follow us at weed and grub. On Instagram at Mary, at Mike and Mary Jane on TikTok, right? Uh, WG at WeedandGrub.com is our email. Yep, um, we may be changing our Instagram. It's so funny that you just said that. We're we're in the process of maybe changing it, but you know, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. We're hoping to get WG Pod. If anyone out there has uh, the hookup on Instagram, so we can change. It's yeah, we we're verified, so it's, it's like crazy. a busy. It's, what, what's it's hard now that we're verified. <laughs> we're verified. We're we're blowing up. Yep. So it's you know they're trying to keep us on wrap. Um, <laughs> Uh, what else? Anything? Oh, yeah. Leave a bunch of reviews. Uh, hire Jordan for all of your needs. And, um, if she'll have you. If, she yeah, if you can fucking afford her. <laughs> I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. Go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.